This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got an Olympian, a two-time Olympian, in the Beijing and the London Games, Mr. Nick Simmons. What's going on, Nick? hanging out another day in paradise here in eugene oregon aka trap town usa that's right man there's a lot of that stuff out there in there yeah so this city is actually where nike was founded and yeah. uh, before they moved up to beaverton to be closer to to the city and the airport up there um they were in eugene oregon and uh there's a lot of running history here in town i grew up in boise idaho but i always wanted to be up here to be close to that uh you know mecca of running that's right and now you're here so that's good so uh we're excited, man. So why don't you just, people that may not know who Nick Simmons is, as I mentioned, two-time Olympian at the Beijing and the London Games, uh, the 800-meter runner, and then also the founder and CEO of RunGum. Why don't you give us a little background of uh, who you are and what's made you the man you are today? Yeah, um, well, like I said, I grew up in Boise, Idaho. I was really into all sports. If, if you know, there was a season for it, I wanted to play it. So right. I played all the sports, soccer, ice hockey, everything. And I, I was okay at most of them, but I was never really great at anything. Um, and then when I joined, um, when I went to high school, you know, I really wanted to play varsity soccer, varsity ice hockey. And the coaches took one look at me. I was about five feet tall, 90 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, why don't, why don't you go for cross country? No one can hurt you out on the cross country. Right. So I started running when I was about 13 or 14. And I, I was actually really good at it. I didn't want to be good at distance running. Kind of my, my least favorite of all the sports, but That's I ended right. up being pretty good at it. So um, came, came through, won nine, nine state titles in Idaho, came out to Ooh. Oregon to run here, and then I got picked up by Nike um, for my first pro deal in 2006. And actually ran professionally for 12 years okay. um, and retired about two years ago and uh, threw myself into my business and have been, uh, been really actually happier as a retired athlete than as an actual athlete being a pro athlete is a very very tough job believe it or not oh absolutely I've, I've talked to a lot of professional athletes and they say the hardest thing isn't getting there it's staying there right i mean from nutrition to just fitness the pressure to yeah. yeah getting there is easy every you know every time you're way up it's 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 fun it's exciting you're getting better and better and more more opportunities are coming your way staying there is just a ton of pressure and then once you see yourself on the decline you know a lot of athletes go through a pretty pretty deep depression i was i guess well guided enough to to know that I needed an exit strategy, and so okay. I had founded a, founded a business when I was thirty with my coach. You know, I saw the writing on the wall. I only had a few good years left in my legs, and and so we started a business when I was thirty, and that was my exit strategy. Not only to make up for the lost revenue of not being able to run professionally anymore, right. but also just to have that sense of purpose every day. Yeah. Well, it looks like you're a reader. You get your books back there in the background. You've got some guns. Where we podcast actually? Yeah. What's so that? this is my office here. We do a podcast as well. I have a podcast called Run the Day, 
Oh, cool. And, uh, this, is, this is where we podcast. You can awesome. see we've got the headsets and the full setup, right? The full setup, man. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a great platform, isn't it, to impact a lot of people? It is. I love it. I just love being able, selfishly, I love getting 30 minutes of people's time. Really incredible people, you know, entrepreneurs and, um, you know, business owners, athletes, just getting 30 minutes of their time to just learn their story. For me, it's super valuable. Yeah. And uh, so selfishly, I, I get their, their time and we throw it out there for, for our listeners. And I think we really try to get into what makes, you know, successful people tick. Very similar to what you guys do here. Yeah. Um, there are some commonalities we find across all industries and all endeavors uh, of what gets somebody to the finish line, you know, versus somebody else. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and you're, you're right. I mean, just, I, I jokingly call it my therapy every single week. I mean, you're, you're yeah. hearing from wonderful people, whether it's an Olympian, a, a professional athlete in the baseball world, if it's a business owner, whatever it may be, it's, it's pretty awesome. So walk us through, because I know you said it's, it's pretty easy to become the professional athlete. Obviously it's not easy. What was that like? Like what was the typical day like for you uh, Nick, when you're thinking about getting prepared for those, say those London games, what, what's a typical day like for four years getting yeah. ready for that big, that big run? Uh, they're really boring to be honest. I mean, I would wake up, I'd have some breakfast um, and I'd go work out from like nine to noon running anywhere from eight to 12 miles. Um, then I'd go home, have some lunch, take a nap. And then I'd come back in the evening to either swim a mile or run four more miles. Um, so I was doing, you know, two workouts a day, almost every single day. Wow. Um, and it's very monotonous. It's very repetitive. It gets very old very quick. But once the season comes around, that's exciting. You know, you're not training quite as hard. You're, you're feeling a lot better, more race-specific intervals, um, and you're traveling a lot. So I, I raced in 34 countries on four different continents. You know, so I was on the road a lot, uh, spent most of my summers in Europe and Asia racing. Uh, so that part was really exciting. I bet. But the, uh, the nine months leading into that of just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, you know, that that I could do without, you know, I, I think that sacrifice being away from home, being away from family. Um, that was the hardest part for me. It was, it was the boredom. It was the sacrifice. Uh, the training I liked, I enjoyed that. You know, I talk about running 10 to 12 miles a day. I like that, believe it or not. <laughs> um, the, uh, the pressure I dealt with very well. I had a sports psychologist and I was good at dealing with the pressure. Um, but just the boredom and the sacrifice every single day, I just was like, so bored. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I read all the books I wanted to read. I've seen all the movies I want to see. And so for me, throwing myself into business, feeling like I was working on a skill that would, you know, continue to, to benefit me in some way for the rest of my life, that was important. So I started my first business at 22, Nick Simmons LLC that managed my, my uh, running um, income. I started another business at 25 with my coach that was a franchise of tanning salons just because I felt like franchising um, would be a good way for me to learn business and, yeah. um, and tanning salons, of course, are very big business here in the Pacific Northwest. And then ultimately we weren't passionate about that industry. So we sold the tanning salons so that, um, so that we could have the, the, the seed money to launch run gum and yeah. run gums in the, the business that I'm currently working on. I'm a CEO and co-founder of that company. And, you know, we launched as this kind of crazy concept. Would people use an energy gum over energy drinks, over alternatives, caffeine, towering B vitamins, infused into a piece of chewing gum and we launched it kind of just to test the market to see if it would work <laughs> five years later we're sold in fifteen thousand stores you can find us on store shelves in target rei cvs walmart amazon.com wow. i mean it's it's been wild that's awesome man so i want to go back though real quick if we can you talked about you had a sports psychologist when you're running yeah. and, and so th those are the things we don't see on tv right if we're watching olympics 
we yeah. see the muscles, we see that you, we know you've been training and you've been yeah. running a lot, but how important is that mental side over the I physical mean, side? This is the crazy thing. When I raced in the London finals in the Olympic games, I was out on the track for about two minutes and I had spent hundreds, thousands of hours, hours preparing yeah. for those two minutes. Right. So, um, most of it's physical. Um, you know, I kind of always liken it to when you look at a, a horse race, right? You got the jockey and you've got the horse. The horse is the muscle and the jockey is the brains. Yep. Um, but a runner is one and the same. Uh, I've got the, the race, the driver here in my brain, but I've also got to you know, manage my energy systems, be, be the, the, the fitness. So it's a combination of the two. And I think um, the best athletes are certainly always working on being fitter and faster and stronger, but they're also working on handling the pressure, dealing with anxiety, um, visualization, all of the mental tricks that we use to, to be the best driver of the car once we step yeah. on, the, on the track. And, and so what's that psychologist? What, what's, walk us through one of those meetings. I mean, what are you guys talking about and, and talk about yeah. your visualization? Because I believe that, that holds true in, in the business world as well, right? It does. And everybody's different, right? So what makes me tick is different than what makes you know, another athlete tick. And a good sports psychologist kind of digs into what is this athlete's motivators? What is their hurdles, their obstacles, and how are we going to get around those? For me, I, I would say one of my strong points, I'm not necessarily the most genetically gifted. One of my, my strong points was my mental ability. I was able to game up. When it, when it really counted, I brought the best product possible. Um, but if, if there was a curveball thrown my way, sometimes I would let that kind of lead me into this spiral of self-doubt. And so oh, yeah. most of what we dealt with was things that I couldn't control. And as a business owner, you probably imagine I'm a bit of a control freak. Right. Things that are out of my control would really upset me. And I would let that uh, negative energy kind of really eat away at me. And he'd always joke, he, he, my, my sports psychologist, Jeff Trosh, would say, you're going to beat yourself before you give anyone else a chance to beat you. Yep. And so a lot of it was learning to understand that there were some things that were out of my control and, uh, and, and that those variables could sometimes go in my favor and, and recognizing that, but variable I could control and not letting the other variables that I couldn't control, you know, really radically affect me. So what are the things you right now advice you'd give as a, obviously a professional runner, what advice would you give for the guy like me? Who's just, you know, I'll go out and run a couple miles a day. And, uh, but what do we need to be doing to stay more efficient, stay in better shape? What are some of those things? The number one thing that anyone, amateur or pro, needs to focus on first and foremost is consistency. So I get, I get this from all people all the time. Well, I want to start training. I want to be a better runner. So I'm going to go run an hour tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're going you're gonna to get injured. You're going to you know, get tired and run down. Out. Yeah. You're going to be so so You're going to burn out. I'm like, focus on consistency before quantity. So I am way, when, I, when I coach athletes or when I you know, write programs for people, I say, I would much, much rather see you run one mile a day for seven days straight than run seven miles and be so gassed that you can't run the rest of the week. That's so true. I always say, teach yourself consistency, teach yourself to embrace the structure of training, the sacrifice of training. And you can always start scaling that up once you feel like that one mile isn't, isn't challenging enough for you. But prove to yourself that you can handle consistency, which is way harder than quantity. Prove that you can handle consistency in the structure of training and then start scaling that training. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's funny as I always talk about, you know, brushing our teeth. We don't brush our teeth 14 times yeah. on Sunday. We brush them twice exactly. a day, right? That's that a really good analogy. Times by Sunday. So yeah, I agree. So that's good. I like that. So um, for you, when you, when you look at visualization, apply that to the boardroom now, right? It was the track, but now it's the boardroom. 
What's that look like for you? Do you have a, do you have a moment in the morning where you're sitting there, you're kind of eyes closed, you're visualizing or, or what do you, how do you do that? Yeah, for me, it's a little bit different. I would say we're more goal focused uh, here in business. And I was always really goal focused in running. Don't get me wrong. But the visualization that we used in running was literally me visualizing, kicking the crap out of people on the track, not like physically, but like running sure. away from them, embarrassing them. I would visualize myself, you know, pulling away in the last hundred and what the crowd would do, how I would react to that. The adrenaline rushing through my veins. Hmm. I would visualize getting tripped. If I got tripped in the, in the first hundred meters, what would I do? If it was a slow race, what would I do? If it was a fast race, what would I do? So there's so many variables that I can't control in running. I would have to spend some time visualizing how I would handle those variables. And then it would calm me down knowing that I was prepared for anything that was thrown my way. In business, where we can control most of the variables, it's more thing okay, which of these variables do we want to like put our time and energy into? Um, so we're really focused on, on, you know, short, intermediate and long-term goals. Um, we have everybody write down their personal and their business goal at the beginning of every year and, and yep. write it down on a sticky note, which makes you 42% more likely to actually achieve right. it. And we frame those and we put them on everybody's desk. So, you know, here we are all about goal setting um, and more importantly, goal achieving. It's easy to set goals. It's harder to achieve them. Amen to build a to that, path man. towards achieving. Amen to that. Yeah, it is, it is true because a lot of times too, I like how you, I used to do that when I was a new advisor, you know, 23 years old. I had all my goals written down. I had them all in a frame and I set it next to my phone because, you know, as a financial advisor, yeah. you got to, I mean, you got to pound that phone all day long when you're, when you're new and, and young in the business. But uh, I think it's important because so many of us write down goals and then we put them in our top right drawer of our desk and we don't see them until we clean it out like three years later. You hitting that, right? You got to write it on a sticky note and you got to put that sticky note somewhere. You're going to see it every single day. And, and it's not just, and I, I don't even put just one sticky note. I got a chain of 10 sticky notes that lead me to that ultimate sticky note. So yep. if my goal is, uh, for example, I recently um, started training to become a pilot, to get my private pilot's license. I saw that yesterday, man. You had your first solo flight, yeah, right? I did. I did. And that was one of my intermediate goals. So I had this huge goal of trying to get my private pilot certificate. Very, very challenging mentally and physically. Yep. And to say that's my goal, it's almost insurmountable. So I brought it down in smaller goals. Like yesterday, I achieved the goal of getting my first solo. But before that, there were half a dozen goals I had to get just to get there. The first one was have your first flight, like literally get behind, you know, the stick and actually control the plane, yeah. rip that sticky note up. It felt great. The next one was get to five hours. You need 40 hours to take your, uh, your private uh, exam. Okay. And I just said, I said, that sounds insane. Like getting to 40 hours is going to be very hard. I just have to get to five hours and you know, you, you break these things down into much more manageable chunks yep. and you get that kind of that dopamine rush to your brain when you, when you hit one of those little goals. Yeah. That's self-sustaining, of course. Well, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let, let, let's talk about this for a second. So you look at an airplane. You don't just get in the airplane yesterday and just, just go, right? <laughs> and so... It would be a good way to kill yourself. <laughs> that would be a good way to kill yourself. So um, I've got a coaching client. I, I have some uh, clients that I coach personally on just life and different things. And, and one of them is right now, he just went and passed his test. So we're very proud of that because he had to do the 40 hours, like you said. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because... His coaching is coming from a guy who hasn't been on an airplane in five years. Wow. So I had a bad flight, haven't flown, 
that's a whole nother podcast. We can talk about that. <laughs> I'm getting over that fear based on this podcast. I got to jump in. I got to do it. Um, yeah. But anyway, but you don't just get in an airplane just like you don't, shouldn't just walk into a business meeting, right? Walk us through that right. process to just fly an airplane, applying it to the I boardroom. Mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, so I think that it starts with an underlying passion you're going to be pretty miserable in that boardroom or you're going to be pretty miserable in that plane if it's not something that you desire, you know? So I think that's important first is identify what you're actually passionate about. I'm passionate about business. So it's easy for me to sit in, in board in a board meeting. Yeah. I'm passionate about flying. So it's easy for me to, you know, drive the 30 minutes to the airport every other day. Um, so, you know, fo focus on setting goals and things that you're really passionate about. That should be obvious, but for some people it's not especially if you're trying to impress other people, that's a, a really good way to set a goal that you're probably never going to hit. Never gonna it's hit not it, yeah. that important to you. Um, and then, and then have the humility to understand that you're a student and that you're probably going to be a student for a long time. And mm -hmm. I'm talking forever, right? So yeah. one of the cool things about being a private pilot, they say it's, it's a license to learn because you pilots are forever learning. You're learning to get uh, new new ratings. You're learning new new how to fly new planes. You're learning to be better pilots. So you're you're basically signing up to be a lifelong learner. Business is very similar, right? So I'm always Amen. aspiring to be a better businessman. I'm always learning from other people who have come before me, learning from people who have done it differently than me. Um, so I think that's important. And then, you know, I, I go back to goal setting. Just break it down because if if I say I aspire for Rungum to be a billion dollar company. That's delusional. I'm serious. That is the delusional statement. But if I were to put together a credible plan of how we're going to do 10 million in sales, 50 million in sales, hundred million in sales. Now it's less delusional. I actually got a path that I could theoretically follow to get there. You know, so whether it's, you know, an athletic goal or my pilot goal or business goal, you better have a path or you are just a delusional person. Build a path to get you to that goal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree because you, you could, I think it's easy to sit down and have this pie in the sky goal, but until you back it into today, what do, what do I have to do? So I have a thing, people listen to this every week, hear me talk about focus 90. So I'm helping people with their focus 90, their 90 minutes in the morning. If we can win that 90 minutes, you'll win the rest of the day, right? And yeah. so, but it's just showing up because even on the days, there were plenty of days I'm assuming you didn't want to show up and run 12 miles and work out and eat the salad for lunch instead of the French fries and, and all that stuff. Right. So, so what was your purpose? Because you don't just do all that stuff because you're, you, I mean, of course you want the, the, the gold medal around your neck. Right. But th there's more to it than that. So what was your purpose? What was your drive every day when you were thinking about that, that journey? You know, running is a weird thing where you're, you're constantly, I, I, I use this analogy like you're building this reservoir, right? So, you start running and you, you're getting stronger. So you run more miles and you run more miles. And there's this reservoir of strength that you're building. And, you know, a season stacks on a season stacks on a year and you just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I always felt I owed it to my younger self to prove to him that his hard work would pay off. Hmm. And so that fueled me for like 10 years, 12 years, just this sense of, res of responsibility that my younger self had given me this gift of strength and fitness. And I owed it to him to give it everything I had in, in the present today um, to thank him for his sacrifice, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it, it absolutely a, does. It was in a sense of accountability to my younger self for all the, this hard work and sacrifice that I'd put in. What would you tell yourself if you look back, tell that guy 10 years ago, what, what advice, what feedback would you give Nick? 
calm the hell down. Like I was, <laughs> I was so. Yeah, you know what's down. funny about this? Sorry to interrupt you. I just coined yeah. a phrase yesterday with my business partner, Tim. Uh, I said, we got to calm the bleep down yeah. and enjoy the journey. I said, you know what? I'm going to make a For bumper sure. sticker, man. It says calm the bleep <laughs> down and enjoy the journey. I mean, and but I think driven people are kind of like that. We're result focused and we want it now. We're impatient and it, it makes for really successful people. It also makes for, you know, somewhat malcontent people. We're, we're yep. never happy. We're never satisfied. You know, when I would, when I would set a, a huge new personal best or win a huge race, I would like throw my hands up in the air. And as I'm cooling down, I'd be like, what's next? What's my next goal? Right. What's my next race? God forbid you. you know, so I'm that never moment. satisfied. You're, yeah, you're never, ever going to get to the top if you are just the guy that says, oh, cool, I did it. Well, I'm happy now. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you want to enjoy the process, but if all you do is enjoy the process and you're not results-oriented, you'll never get the result. So I've, I've always been a very, very malcontent, result-focused person, and I'm trying in my, in my middle age now to be more focused on the process, take more enjoyment from it because – ultimately I aspire to be a, a happier person rather than uh, you know, a win at all cost person. Yeah, it's true. I think I read, um, I think it was Bryce Harper, right? The baseball player. And he said something about, they were asking about his success and his career. And they said, what was his focus? And he said, my focus wasn't to become a major league baseball player. My focus was to be a hall of fame baseball player. Mm. Right. And so you think about that focus. Some people just get to the majors and then they're like, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. I played one game but that's where their mind took them to. Right. So we have to yeah. think bigger. We have to believe bigger. And now here he is thinking about being a hall of fame baseball player. Totally wow. different. Yeah. I mean, dream big. Right. And if you, one of the, you know, the cheesy trite phrases that I love really love is if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Right. Like you should wake up and say, I'm dreaming of doing this and I don't think I can do it. And I'm scared to even tell somebody because I'm so, so doubtful. Like that's the kind of goals you need to have. That's right. That's right. So walk us through what a typical day looks like for you today. I mean, what, what's your fitness like, what's your eating habits like? Um, yeah. I guess some other questions too, but tell me about those things. Still pretty similar. Fitness is still kind of the glue that holds everything together for me. So I wake up uh, about 5 a.m., um, I work out from six to seven or six to eight, depending on what the workout is. And then uh, shower, have some breakfast and I'm in the off. I, I always said, I'll, I will never, ever work nine to five. And here I am working a nine to five, but uh, you know, <laughs> right. it's my company. So I don't, I don't, I don't mind it that much. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm here working with the team. Um, we've got really great employees or, you know, really, really just Cracker Jack staff that's crushing it right now. Yep. Um, and then I, I go home and I try to, you know, go walk for a walk with my, my fiance and my dog and, you know, maybe treat myself to a couple beers or something. But, uh, nice. you know, I, I, I would say I like structure. You know, I, as, as a younger person, I was very much um, opposed to structure. I resented it, but now I, I appreciate it. And I like my days to be structured out. So I, I asked this question of our team. I made a social media post last week about it. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know if a lot of people will actually take the advice and do it with your teams, but so I ask you is if your business could talk right now, your business could talk to me and tell me a story. What's your business saying? What's it doing? Well, you know, our, our mission here uh, is twofold. We always say we're here to fuel and inspire people to make the most of their busy days. So we fuel them with our energy gum. It's a great product. It's just like a Red Bull, but you don't have all the sugar and acidity and calories. Um, so a quick boost of energy. 
and a fra at a fraction of the cost. Um, and sure. then we really try to motivate people, right? So if you listen to the podcast, if you look at my YouTube channel, if you subscribe for our emails, most of what we're doing is trying to inspire people to set their own goals and to make the most of their busy days. So, you know, if RunGum, the corporation was going to talk to you, it would, it would, it would basically say, hey, what do you want to do this year? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do today? Um, because so many of us just phone it in and yep. we only get one shot at this life. How are you going to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish today, this year, and this lifetime? And how can we help? I think that's a big deal. So how long did that mission, how long did it take you to find that mission? And what was that process like to get it? It, it, was, it was before we sold our first packet of gum. It, it yep. was literally, so I, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a results oriented guy. I was like, how are we going to get this thing to, to 10 million in sales? That was my first thought when we decided we were going to start a company. Fortunately, we hired somebody, um, another co-founder, Nathan Woods, who is kind of the heart and soul of the company. And he said, I don't care about 10 million in revenue. What I care is how many people's lives can we touch? Mm. And so it's the perfect, it's the perfect balance of the results oriented, you know, CEO, we have to, you know, hit our goals. We have to, you know, provide a return for our investors. We have to, you know, make money. Yep. And then if, if that's all you're doing, that's a really sad, shallow way to live your life. So then Nathan comes in and says, how many jobs can we create? How many people's lives can we help? How much fun can we have? And you bet. And if you have just that person, you never sell any gum. So right. you take the two, Nathan and myself, we ham and egg it. It's the perfect combo. And I think that's really truly what has led to our, our, our meteoric success in the first five years. That's cool. So I, and we obviously know the answer to this, but how important, especially in your partnership, just like it is with your fiance, but how important is communication on your team right now? And what's that look like? I think communication um, is a word that's used pretty liberally. Uh, I think you need to communicate um, effectively. You know, so yeah. much of our communication now is just, it's just not permanent. It's garbage. It's junk email. It's Slack. It's right. DMing. It's just utilize communication the way, communi in a business sense, utilize it in, an, in the most efficient way possible. So for every corporation, that's a little bit different and every person's a little bit different. If you ask me to use Slack, I, I would just quit the job tomorrow. I'm not going to use, you know, some, some app, nothing against Slack. It's just that I personally don't need another thing to check in every day. Right. So I batch everything through email. If you want to get a hold of me, email. Some people abhor looking at their email. It, over, it stresses them out and they can't stand the con. I want everything residing in one spot. I check on my terms. I don't get email notifications when I get a new email. Yep. I check email when I choose to. So I control the communication. Maybe that's a luxury that I have as the CEO, but I'm just, I, I'm overwhelmed with the way that we communicate with each other these days. And at some point there has to be limit. There has to be parameters and boundaries. Well, I agree. I mean, I, I just started this. So I'm, you know, 19 years in this month uh, into our business and uh, being in this industry, I should say. And I just, with a great partner in Robin Edwards, my assistant is, she checks all my emails now, right? And so that mm -hmm. process for those listeners out there, I have a new email address that like three people know that, that even exists, mm -hmm. right? So I don't get email anymore. And our team, you know, we've had great growth in our firm as well. Our clients, we know we're going to take care of them, right? They send me an email. Robin is on it. She's on it with me. We deliver. We make it happen. But there has to be that process there to guard our time 
so we can yeah. do the best work, right? Because our, our mission, just you pointed out yours, our mission is to help people achieve a future greater than their past. Very cool. I can't do that if I'm checking emails all day. No, right? I mean, you can't do anything. You're a slave no. to the emails. Right. <laughs> right. So I it's been it. a game changer for me to, to, to have, you know, maybe two emails a day that come in and it's helped me be a lot more efficient, a lot more in the moment, whether that's at home with my wife and four kids or if that's in a business meeting. I don't have to worry about the noise. And so I think that's a big deal for people that are listening. Um, talk to me about not necessarily even the times you didn't want to do it, but maybe the times it took you to your knee. You thought there's no way I'm going to make the Olympics because it's not like it was a four year run. We're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to make the Olympics. I'm going to make the finals. And it's just a straight line. How did you get through the tough times and what advice would you have for our listeners on that? You got to surround yourself with people who believe in you more than you even believe in yourself. And there, you know, self doubt is the most cancerous you know, emotion to any athlete or any business person. And we all have it, you know, Elon yeah. Musk has self doubt, you know, yep. he's very, very confident in his ability to deliver, but I guarantee there are moments of self doubt in, in everybody. Um, and myself included. And I always just surrounded myself with people who believed in me even more than I believed in myself. And when I would, when that self doubt would creep in, I would lean on them and they always got me through those tough times. And, um, you just have to have people in your corner that you can, you can call on. So whether it was my coach, Sam, who's my business partner today, my parents, uh, my sports psychologist, they would, they would be able to give me a perspective um, that, that maybe I couldn't see in the moment um, that would allow me to, to say, hey, it's not as bad as I think it is, and I've overcome obstacles much harder than this yep. you know, in the past, and I'll get through this one too. And you, you talked about a coach. I think this is a good point here. So I, I don't know the answer to this. Normally, I don't ask questions you don't know the answer to, right? But uh, on a podcast, you, you ask a lot of questions you don't know the answer. But right. I, I, how, how, much, how many times, I don't know the running world at that well. So did you have to hire your coach and pay out of your own money? Or how does that work? Yeah, so most pros, it's kind of, uh, you know, you're piecing it together. So you are looking for a coach and they're going to take 10% of everything you make. You've got an agent doing your shoe deals and getting you into races. They're taking 15% of everything you make. So right now, if you make a dollar, 25 cents is gone. Gone. Then You're you left with taxes. 75 cents. Then you got to pay taxes, which is probably another 25 to you know, 40%. So I always thought if I make 50 cents on the dollar, if I take home 50 cents on the dollar, that's, that's a, a good you know, estimation of what wow. I'm actually bringing home. Yep. That's pretty brutal. Um, one of the nice things about running for a team, you know, and there are not a lot of teams. Most of these people are independent contractors kind of out doing it on their own. I was part of a team with Nike and a team with Brooks running later on in my career. And they provided coaching, they provided okay. gear, they provided travel, you know, so some of those things can be comped. So if you're uh, going from Oregon to wherever, you know, South Carolina for a, for a race, Brooks running team is making sure you get there. Yeah. They're giving you shoes, of course, all that stuff. So you're not yeah. having to worry Coaching, about hotel travel, rooms and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I, I, always, I always remind people, Team USA is as great as it is because of our corporate support. So it's yeah. businesses that are sponsoring these athletes that make it possible for us to have the best team in the United States. It's not the USOC. I promise right. it's not them because they are taking all the money for themselves. Yep. It's not the individual, individual federations like, you know, U.S. gymnastics, which, you know, we could go all day about how bad they are for their athletes. Right. It's not USATF, which steals money from the athletes. It is companies like Nike. It's companies like RunGum. It's companies like Brooks Running that are sponsoring athletes. That is what keeps Team USA at the top of the podium. That's a big deal, man. 
Big deal. So talk to me about that logo on your hat there, and I can see it on the packages in the back. How do you come up yeah. with that? We, you know, I would. I wish I could say I had this like epiphany, and we're gonna call it Run Gum, and we're gonna have this awesome logo. Um, we hired a, co- a small boutique agency sure. in Milwaukee to help come up with the name and the packaging, and you know, we didn't want to take any chances. You know, we had, like I said, we had sold the tanning salons, we had the cash on hand. So, um, we hired an agency to help us with that. And we called it run gum, not because it was for runners. Um, but it is born from runners. It's, it's because it's for anyone on the run, whether you're running errands, whether you're, uh. you're running around town, running into a meeting run is a word that for most people means motion and motion takes energy. And we give you that energy with caffeine, towering and B vitamins in a really lightweight, handy packet. Uh, one dose of energy, just like you buy, you know, an energy drink or an energy shot. This is a dose of energy. Um, very, the caffeine equivalency of about a cup of coffee or, uh, an energy drink here. Well, I like the looks for those that are watching it, the run, I mean, you can see the run, the, the, the way it's written on yeah. your hat, you know, a little run looks yeah. like some lines looks cool. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Thanks um, very much. We got a lot of compliments about the name and the logo. Um, and then, you know, the packaging, it's very colorful. It just jumps out at you, yeah. you know, when you see it at a point of sale, um, you're going to see us merchandised in sporting goods at Walmart and target. Okay. I go to Target enough, so I'm sure I'll uh, I'll see it everywhere yeah, now. Back I'm to the just, I just gotta look it up for it. Everywhere, exactly. So, what uh, what fears in your mind that you put in as an athlete, as a business owner? How many of those fears blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? I mean, my new my new mentality is don't worry about a problem until it is actually a problem. And so, I would say, as an athlete, most of my fears um, never materialized. I was so worried about injuries that never happened. I was so worried about other athletes that never rose to the occasion. I was always worried about these things that, and I, I just, I wish I hadn't worried so much because they never actually ended up being a problem. And so right. I've taken that lesson with me into my professional life and I don't worry about something until it's a problem. I could sit here and fret about the looming recession everyone's talking about. I could sit here and worry about that all day long, or I could just build up the business as strong as I can. So it's on the best foundation possible so that when that recession hits, which it will, um, we're, we're, we've got our best foundation possible to weather it. And so I don't worry about problems until they materialize or I I really aspire to do that in in my personal and and professional life these days. If I can help you with anything on that is during that recession. So I was obviously, I own my own business, 0809. I'm in the financial industry. Our, 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 our self-talk was we're, we're going to choose to not participate in the recession. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, I said, we said that thousands of times, right? Yeah. It is mentality. And so we would say, yeah, we're just choosing not to participate in the recession. I like It's that. like, you just say that, but then you say it over and over and over and you believe it. And we, we had some of our best years in 08 and 09 because we I mean, chose there were, there not were incredible businesses that were founded in six and seven that weathered yep. it. There are businesses that were founded in eight and nine in the, in the depths of the recession that have come on right. to be incredible. So it is a lot of, uh, you know, the media playing it up for views and not to say that there aren't real problems, but you know, if yeah. you have that mentality of we can weather anything of we choose not to participate, you've put yourself out on a, on a, on a different level um, when you wake up each day and, and go to attack it. So I'm starting this new thing on the podcast to, to show this little phone right here and what yeah. this thing means in our lives. Right. Any routines or any things that you can share with us to help us become either one more efficient with our phone or become more purposeful in life because we're not so tied to this thing. I have two rules. Two rules. Uh, these are very important and I bet you not a single listener will, will, will follow me on these, but these are rules that, that, 
do not get broken by me. Uh, and, and I can't stress them enough. Number one, that phone better not be the last thing you look at before you go to bed. You know how bad that is for your circadian oh, rhythm. If you're staring terrible. at a bright screen right before you go to bed, it, it, you will have worse sleep, period. Yep. Study after study has shown that. Read anything other than a screen, you know, from a screen. So read a book, read a magazine, meditate. Just make sure that the last thing you look at before you go to bed is not a screen. Um, that includes television screens. Um, number two is turn the damn phone off, right? Because you're not going to sleep as deeply if you're worried about it chirping at you all night. Yep. Um, and this last one is kind of a bonus one. It's something that I learned as an athlete. But if you can wake up without using an alarm, and I know most of us are using our phones as an alarm now, that, that is the holy grail of training for yep. an athlete. For me, it was. And it's my, my holy grail of, of training as a businessman. I aspire to never, ever wake up to an alarm because mm. if I do, it means one, I've probably woken myself up out of deep REM sleep, which is the most important sleep. Yep. Um, but, but two, it means I just didn't get enough rest, right? right. You know, you, you cannot opt, opt, operate optimally as an athlete or as a person if you don't get enough sleep. So I'm in bed about 8.30. I read up till 9, 9.30. I fall asleep. And I wake up with the sun like we were supposed to as human beings. That's right. Uh, with a natural circadian rhythm. Um, and I just have way more energy for it. If I, if I do on those off days have to wake up to an alarm, it sets me off on a, on a you know, bad mood. And I didn't get enough sleep. And I'm grumpy all day. And I don't think as clearly. <laughs> I don't have as much energy. That's right. So that's my, my holy grail of training um, in business and in life and in sport is, is to never wake up to an alarm. I like it. I, I couldn't agree more, man. So I read, uh, I had it on my shelf for a while. He was on my podcast, Sean Stevenson. I don't know if you know Sean Stevenson or not. But he wrote the, the book, name. Sleep Smarter. Right. It's a phenomenal yeah, yeah. book. Phenomenal book. And a lot of stuff of what you're saying. So many people are like, how do I, how can I maximize uh, my life by not sleeping? You know, can I life hack sleep away? Yeah. Why in the world would you want to do right. that? Sleep is one of the greatest gifts that we've been given. I would, I try to, like I say, maximize the hours that I get of sleep and make sure they're the best sleep possible, which it yeah. sounds like th this guy's onto something. Oh, he's on it, man. It's, it's a phenomenal yeah. book. So if you like to read that stuff, I thought, Definitely how fun could this out. be to read about sleep, right? But it was more about the, the screen time. I've got all yeah. my, you know, I, if you looked at my nightstand before, hell, I'd have, you know, two or three iPads there. I got four kids, right? And so I'd have, you know, iPads, yeah. I'd have Apple watches, I'd have everybody's iPhone, everything's charging, right? Too on my, much, too much. And all this yeah. stuff's going into my brain. So now it's all out. I can't get rid of the iPhone yet because it is my alarm clock. I'm working on it. Right. I know I could buy like a $5 alarm, but <laughs> right, <laughs> baby steps, right? Baby steps. Baby steps. Um, so where can our listeners find more of Nick Simmons? Where are you at? I'm on all platforms at Nick Simmons, Simmons with a Y. Uh, I'm really active on YouTube lately. I just love that. I love it. It's I love to consume YouTube content. I love to create YouTube content. Um, and then I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. I haven't used Facebook in about 12 years, 10 years. Um, nice. You know, they lost me. I still, I still have my, my, my fiance helps me with social and so she'll post stuff on Facebook, but I don't really interact much on it. Hey, they still got you, man, because they own Instagram. Oh, yeah, and I know, <laughs> and, and I love Instagram, but uh, right. just the way, the way that platform, you know, I shifted. agree. And I was the guy, you know, I had my first Facebook account when you had to have a .edu address in order oh, yeah. to get a Facebook account. And I remember right. those were the good old days, and then it just became something that I wasn't yeah. enjoying anymore. So if you want to reach me, um, you know, I, I answer all of my DMs on Instagram, so DM me. Let me know what you liked about this podcast. Um, let me know where you think I'm a kook. That's fine too. You can call me out. 
Um, and then of course, check out, check it out on, on, uh, on YouTube. And then run gum is on all channels at run gum. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, Nick, thanks for being with us, man. I know you could uh, do a lot of things with your time. We appreciate you being on the circuit of success and uh, spending some time with our listeners. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.